Hi, good day, and thank you so much for being there for a new episode of the Microdose Diet. So uh, my guest today and my friend is Marcos Carvalho. So Marcos is a serial entrepreneur. So he exited his company in 2021. His company was called Nest Ready, was a co-founder, and it was a digital home buying platform for mortgage lenders. So yes, in uh, the finance fintech space. Um, he's now building and investing in the future of living and well-being, notably with his new venture, Boundless Life. So uh, thank you for being here. My name is Peggy Van de Plage. I'm a former venture capitalist and banker. Now I speak and uh, write about the benefits of alternative medicine, including microdosing psilocybin. And you can uh, read, watch, listen to my work on all the platforms, Substack, YouTube, uh, and, and everything in between. So, Marcos, thank you so, so much for being here today. I'm very excited to have you in the podcast. Uh, thank you, Peggy. It's such a pleasure. You know, I've been following you and your work since the beginning, and it's amazing everything you accomplished. And thank you for, you know, following this, uh, this mission. Thank you so much. And so it, it's funny because we uh, we were introduced by, um, you know, a common advisor in the fintech space. You also went from uh, fintech to a fun guy. So tell us more about your current activities in the psychedelic space. Yes. So, uh, you know, first how I transit from fintech to fun guy, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, I... Uh, you know, I come mostly from tech, right? I've passed 12 years at Tech Entrepreneur, launched four companies, you know, did the entire startup cycle a couple of times from product ideations to scaling and exiting. And it's uh, extremely difficult. You know, it's very difficult, very stressful, as uh, most people know. Um, you know, long days, short nights, men spent sleeping on the couch of the office, and I think, you know, um, I think it was Steve Jobs that said, you know, like most rational people would not do it. Exactly. And uh, that's how I felt. I didn't feel very rational back then. You know, uh, my life was uh, very unstable, was uh, a roller coaster. In the morning, I was excited. In the afternoon, I was depressed. And then I had to keep the smile on my face in front of the team and open space was very, very difficult. Um, and uh, I may have got a little crazy, <laughs> you know, yeah. some ways, you know, uh, and I paid the price. And I realized that after divorcing for a second time in uh, maybe five years. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, I went to uh, some dark moments and start to try to reconnect with myself, went back into life coaching, uh, you know, morning rituals, all of that. And that's when psychedelics start coming to me, you know, like uh, they say they come to you, it comes to you, <laughs> especially when we talk about, uh, you know, ayahuasca. And uh, I became obsessed with the topic. I said, no, I can't believe it's that efficient about everything that, uh, you know, it's being said. So I really studied for six months. I really got, you know, into it before I, uh, I tried myself mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. um, and was life-changing. It was uh, literally life-changing in a way that even my personality type changed and that most people don't believe that it's possible. And I didn't believe that it was possible either until I start kind of comparing my results. I'm a 
big fan of that um, uh, 16 personality test. Oh, yes, yes, right. yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> but you know, that. it's so interesting because I think it's a journey I hear many people having in the psychedelic space. We, we are like this type A in the old chart old saying and then we suffer from that because i guess we get a bit hyper or a bit too excited and you have that roller coaster then we all uh, have psychedelics come to us we do a lot of research because that's who we are <laughs> and <laughs> exactly. then we try it and we're just like my god it's life-changing who could not oh couldn't i not have tried that before you know, exactly. and and I think, and I'm sorry I interrupted you, but it is just that thing where you're just like, oh my God, maybe I could have tried that like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, my life would have been so much more successful and pleasant, you know? Oh, definitely, definitely. And, and I also think how I didn't know about that before, right? Uh, that that was also the other thing, you know, I come from Brazil, I was born and raised, uh, no, I was raised in multiple countries, but I was born in Brazil and I used to hear about Santo Daime and Ayahuasca and, uh, you know, a conservative country like Brazil, Catholic country like Brazil, for us, they were just like, you know, uh, crazy people drinking a yeah. tea. Yeah. And uh, that's how I started. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's a whole different thing. It has nothing to do with it. So, yes. yeah, I was that um, executive. I was that executive observant judging uh, yeah. And then redoing my test, I became more of a protagonist, intuitive and feeling. And then I realized my values had changed. Yeah. And uh, I realized, you know, was uh, what I was doing was in line with my life purpose, you know, selling and you know, helping financial institutions and banks to sell more loans and create more debt was just not what I was meant to do. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's when I, you know, was COVID and sold the company. Uh, was able to, you know, really work on a project that uh, you mentioned before that I actually exited my position, that product, a project called Boundless Life, which is a beautiful project, um, much more aligned with my values, which was yeah. creating a hubs for digital nomad families in different yes. parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, it was aligned with my values because that's a way to help children raise awareness, openness, towards other cultures, experience new cultures, have cultural immersion, and then, you know, be open towards the differences. Yeah. And that's what I believe in. It's like the biggest problem in humanity now. It's like this polarity. So yeah. if you're able to raise kids, you know, um, developing this openness, which is also very aligned with, you know, what I'm doing uh, in psychedelic space and the reason why, you know, I actually very focused on the psychedelic space now. Yeah. Um, and that made me move to BC uh, and Vancouver because uh, it's the Mecca, it's the epicenter mm -hmm. of uh, the psychedelic renaissance, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and uh, instead, this time, I'm taking a little break of uh, launching companies, focusing also a little bit more on my wife's career. But um, I decided that I... You know, because back in 2021, I already got involved in the space. I forgot to mention that because that's how I, I started getting to the industry. Okay. Um, I uh, helped some companies to raise money. Uh, some went public, some got acquired. So it was a great school. But I saw the boom coming. You know, 2021, mm -hmm. there was a lot of hype companies. Yes. 
um, going public and not having anything. Yeah. So I decided not to invest myself back then. I mean, I did invest in some companies, but not to build my own project back then. Mm. Uh, because I could see that there was a bubble. And then I went and spent two years in Europe building, uh, helping build Boundless Life. Okay. But now I think the market is more mature. I think uh, we're going to see some consolidation. You know, only the, the best companies are really surviving. And what I'm doing is that I'm bringing all my expertise, all the skills that I learned um scaling companies accelerating companies based on yeah. the startup cycle learning some of the best tech accelerators yeah. in the world like uh, like techstars um that i i went to in uh, 2016 mm -hmm. um, and back then was really a big deal uh, we were the third canadian company going to techstars the only one that survived it yeah. before <laughs> even techstars was uh was uh, in uh, in Canada. So I, I was fortunate to learn a lot through doing my own ventures, mm -hmm. being advised by some great advisors, um, being backed by uh, top investors. And I started giving back and um, advising uh, in some of the most prestigious accelerators uh, in North America and Canada. And that's how uh, we know each other from uh, Holt, uh, investing some of those funds and, uh, yeah. and supporting some of those uh, those uh, founders. Yeah. And what I saw in in psychedelics is that most uh, of those um, entrepreneurs, uh, many come from you know academics or the scientific mm -hmm. world, but mm -hmm. they, they did not have the privilege to go through those uh, yeah those. Um, trainings hard trainings that i went through so that's how i'm getting involved i'm really supporting um entrepreneurs now in the clinical space in the drug development space uh through consulting investing and advising uh, those that cannot afford to pay me yeah and, and and thank you for explaining your journey it makes a lot of sense you know to understand the different steps and and to your point i can see oh as an entrepreneur in the fintech space, which financial services is extremely demanding, you know, like you're not winging it. There are a lot of regulations and I mean, biotech is, is also with a lot of regulations. Uh, but what I saw in the space, you, you, you touched it in, in the past, is that scientists, academics don't necessarily make the best entrepreneur. So, so I would say your, your experience as an entrepreneur in the fintech space, what would you say, like in a few words, what is it bringing you and what is it bringing to uh, the people you're advising who, to your point, might not have had the privilege of going through that uh, tough school? Yeah, so um, in the financial space, a lot of learn about uh, really um, how to scale business um, through uh, B2B. Right. Mm -hmm. So a sales cycle is extremely long. For example, how do you get into a top five bank? Mm -hmm. You know, what's going to make you be the product that they're going to choose and how you're going to transit all the, you know, uh, bureaucracy and steps that you need to go through to uh, yeah. bring your product and uh, develop the product that you need or the service that you need that will eventually be a fit for those players. And then um, that mentality, uh, for example, is helping some of my clients to uh, generate more revenue because, 
you know, you open a brick and mortar clinic, for example, and then what do you do now to attract your clients, right? Mm-hmm. How are you going to differentiate yourself? Yeah. Why is someone going to your clinic and not going to another clinic? So there are so many things you can do. Um, for example, making sure that you have unique value propositions, that mm-hmm. you are distinguishing yourself, that you are creating your own category. And that category is something unique to the point that you were able to generate enough PR and become an expert in your domain. So you can focus on specific, uh, you know, a specific niche or type mm-hmm. of clients or um, offer the service in a specific way that you can easily scale the operations without just, you know, putting a sign outside the door and hoping yeah. that people show up. Yeah, I, you know, that's really that structure and, you know, understanding, okay, what's your CAC, what's, your, you know, like all these things that to your point, if you're SMB, you might, you might not know that. Um, you mentioned that you're, uh, you're thinking there will be some consolidation uh, in the psychedelic space. Where do you think the space is moving towards? What are the opportunities you're capitalizing on and you're looking for? Yeah, so 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 going back, I really like the clinical space because uh, I believe that that's the entry door for democratizing access to psychedelics. Psychedelics assisted therapy, uh, I think, is is the right way to do it with the right professionals. Uh, but those clinics are struggling. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, because regulation is not keeping up. Um, so there are a lot of uh, and a few. Uh, psychedelics assist therapy focusing on on ketamine for example right um i'm working with uh, one right now that uh, it's really really you know a very talented uh, therapist uh and, and the clinic is called uh, an elegant mind for example and mm-hmm. uh, she's combining uh sex therapy couples mm-hmm. therapy which is you know something extremely important to improve the quality of life of families with ketamine assisted therapy and soon she's gonna add MDMA assisted therapy when okay. that that's legal, and that becomes very unique. So now we are combining and integrating different types of therapy and 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 combining that with psychedelics, creating that specific service and 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 type of therapy that will serve a spe- you know a, a specific clientele mm-hmm. uh, and have. Uh, a great impact on society because if you're yeah. able to improve the quality of life of couples, you improve the family life, exactly. for you improve the community and so forth. So uh, focusing on um, making sure that those players can keep growing, keep growing and innovate themselves, it's it's very important. So uh, I see some potential there. Um, I see, for example, there's this clinic in um, in Calgary, Sabi. And their differentiator is that they are creating a very unique user experience. Mm-hmm. You know, you can tell that they thought about every detail, every detail from the moment you arrive in the clinic until you live, you know, that's really uh, a unique experience. And then they integrate in hospitality with integrative care, with wellness. So that's where I see the space, the clinical space going towards. Um and the, the the drug development area it's um, difficult because it requires a lot of money. You know, uh, bringing your drugs to phase one, phase two, phase three, uh, it's very very hard. And 
quite frankly, I don't see a lot of differentiation mm-hmm. in the market when you are developing synthetic drugs. Um, but, you know, depending of the purpose why you develop them and how you can demonstrate that they work um, for a specific purpose, and then, uh, you know, you have an opportunity there. There's this company called Clairvoyant that mm-hmm. I really like and that they focusing on a cause that is very dear to my heart, which is uh, alcohol use disorder. You know, I suffer from that in my own family and uh, that was probably the, the source of most of my traumas. Yeah. So being able to uh, demonstrate specific usage and doing and, and financing your study, you know, s- study uh, trials uh, in different parts of the world like they're doing, that puts put them in a, in, a, in a separate category. Now, um, Philemon Health, for example, it's mm-hmm. another one that I love because they're focused on developing uh, drugs botanically. And that, for me, it's also a huge value yeah. proposition there. The entourage effect yeah. of mm-hmm. the molecules makes a huge difference. And uh, it's the, you know, we, we, we see now that uh, the users prefer the natural approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's all about how you position yourself. So, yes, yeah. consolidation, but, you know, those who are able to keep financing their studies will will we have the competitive advantage and um, hopefully they can last enough until regulation. Yes, up. <laughs> and that's exactly. And that's uh, probably my, my last question and uh, Canada or US. So what do you think the next, and I know everyone has his own crystal ball. So what is your crystal ball <laughs> when it comes to a change in regulation? What uh, what uh, do you see happening? Yeah, that, that question comes a lot. I think we're super advanced because we have special access program. That's already, mm-hmm. you know, we should be able to celebrate that. Um, unfortunately, it's a very uh, a difficult process to go through still. Yeah. So we need we need to streamline it and we need to rebrand it. It shouldn't be, you know, it should be for everyone. It should not exactly. be just for the rare and special access. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, if we're able to do that and, uh, you know, a lot have been lobbying, and the, the 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 impact of you know civil disobedience because we know there is a lot of gray uh, market and gray activities in the market yeah. and these people are making tons of money you know um, and they are attracting a lot of clients from the U.S. and different countries even though it's expensive you know it's still cheaper than doing Oregon or what they're going to be charging in um, in Australia for example mm-hmm. so. Those different players are also able to um, uh, improve the access and then attract yeah. the attention of the authorities that hopefully would say, oh, okay, well, we need to regulate that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was, uh, I'm uh, actually one of uh, the projects I'm working on right now that I'm very passionate about is how can I export what's being done in North America to South America? And um, okay. I've been that with a few players down there and a few investors down there because for example brazil where i'm come from it's a huge market yeah mm-hmm. it's just a, a, a very conservative country yes so yeah. i had a call had a call for example yesterday with um the ceo of the largest cannabis medicinal cannabis ecosystem there okay. and cannabis it's illegal there but they are able to develop this platform or you can do everything you can go 
consult with a doctor, get a prescription, and then take that prescription, send to the equivalent of Health Canada there, get it approved, and then buy your medicine all in one platform. Mm, wow. mm -hmm. so, so I hope something like that will be possible for psychedelics soon. Um, yeah. I just hope that, you know, the drug will be delivered to the therapist. Yeah. So we can have a little bit more control. Um, and, 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 you know, that's, I, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but, um, you know, as, as long as we go to the phase three trials, Compass is going to phase three in the U S mm -hmm. um, I think the government, you know, combine, you know, the, 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 the improvement in the, the clinical trials with, the increase in the gray area activities um, that's going to force government to move faster. And I hope that uh, within, you know, we're supposed to be for MDMA, for example, end of this year, but yeah. probably yeah. in the next uh, 12 months. Probably. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because to your point, the, the special access program, it's a start. It's a bit what you're seeing with, you know, the veterans and, and, um, you know, some people are interested with end-of-life care. Uh, I believe that you and I also deserve, you know, to be <laughs> to be taken yeah. care of, and not Absolutely. in and not in twenty years, you know. So, uh, so yeah. there is. Um, I think now regulation is almost playing catch-up in the sense that the industry, to your point of civil disobedience, people have started saying, you know what, I'm an adult, I can manage it myself, and I'm okay to disobey and disobey what legislation that were put in place 50 60 years ago for the wrong reasons you know that's you know that's also the, the challenge so um, yeah and and i'm not a, a, against uh, you know everybody having access to it i just think we should be able to have a little bit more control for example on the quality you know we see dispensaries yeah. uh, opening up in every corner now in our, in, in canada and uh, they make enough money to fight the system. Uh, now, it would be much better if we could know exactly what we're getting, who we're getting from, right? Uh, exactly. And, and decisions. You know, what's very interesting is that, you know, when we had this conversation offline many times, that when you really put everything on the table and the inconsistency with, you know, alcohol, tobacco, ultra processed foods and this type of thing that are inundating people you know system and uh to your point i absolutely agree you need high quality product there is no uh, too bad doesn't make a good you know uh, you need high quality <laughs> yeah. high quality product for everything but i'm always very interested to see regulators uh focusing so much on psychedelics and in Ontario, I mean, like one of the thing in COVID was extending the hours of the uh, LCBU or local alcohol store. Now they have projects that they call alcohol in the park. So you bring alcohol, as long as you're two meters away from the kids, you're fine. <laughs> really? Yeah, better, really? <laughs> exactly. So it's... It's, you know, that cognitive dissonance that I find extremely, um, you know, frustrating or interesting, depending yeah. on how you yeah. look at it. But uh, well, hopefully they see that there is a lot of money for them to make also with taxes eventually. That's <laughs> exactly. That's like, oh, okay. Exactly. 
That's the only way to make sure, you know, a decision is made is a business case. If you're showing, okay, that's going to be X billions in taxes, people are going to be uh, suddenly more interested. Uh, but thank you so, so much, Marcos, for taking the time and sharing your journey, your perspective. It was like super, super helpful. And I really appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Bye. Have a great day. <laughs> bye, bye, bye.